Welcome back to Black and Bougie, the podcast. I'm Leandra. Hi, and this is Sasha, and this is our sixth episode. And you know how we already do. Let's get started with our random question. It's not so much a random question because it's also going to pertain to the episode that we're doing today. Are you ready, Leandra? Um, I'm ready. I've been ready. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. So my question for you today is, what does being a woman really mean to you? Oh, <laughs> um, honestly, I feel like this, this uh, question could have a lot of answers, but my simplified version of the answer, uh, a woman is someone who's obviously female, <laughs> but also being a woman um, is just taking all of the BS and the struggles that come at you and handling it like a boss because that's what women do. We just handle things like bosses, whether it's motherhood, um, whether it's our financial struggles, whether it's even relationships. We just, you know, handle that shit and keep it moving. So being a woman to me is being a boss, handling your own shit. Okay, so mm-hmm. that's good. Actually going to take it a little more traditional in a sense so to me being well i don't want to say mm-hmm. traditional what you said is being a woman's being pretty much a badass and i appreciate that and i feel the same uh but i also will acknowledge that being a woman also means that you either have to feel like you are or have to be tougher most times especially if you're a black female you always have to feel like you have to be the best the strongest the the most of everything because of how society is and how it treats women, especially POC, especially black women. But to me, Mm, yes, I also want to acknowledge that being a woman is not your genitalia. It is how you feel as well. Because, you know, as soon as people think of womanhood, they think of, oh, you have to have a vagina to be a female. No, that is not the case. You can still be very um, womanly as a trans woman or a non-binary person, no matter what. Uh, so I would say to me, womanhood feels like a sense of not only be having to be strong, but it should be a sense of community for all fellow women as well. So with that being said, what is something about being a woman that no one told you about? Ooh, that period sucks. <laughs> what? <laughs> People told me. <laughs> and see... I don't know. So I'm going to share my <laughs> my experience. I think we had two completely different experiences. So Definitely. When, <laughs> when I first got my period, I think I was just like nonchalant about it because, you know, I my mom never talked to me like, oh, sooner or later, blood is going to pour from your vagina. Oh, so she never really had that talk with me. But when I had, I was like, hey, mom, this is a thing. She was like, oh, cool. You're so calm about it. Wow. You didn't even freak out. I was like, yes, no. This is normal. In my head, I already knew it was normal. But I think as I got older, it became more prominent. And I had to learn, basically, that I had to learn my body and get used to certain aspects in my body. Like, for example, with the period, I didn't realize my periods were controlled by stress until I was put in very stressful situations. So I was... Your periods. My periods. So... Okay. If for people who may not know, every woman has a different particular cycle. Every It is normal to like miss a month of your period. Obviously, if you're sexually active, you should go get a pregnancy test. But uh, in my case, I would miss a month and I'd be like, what's going on? So I would look it up like, oh, it's regular. But then I would miss another month. 
And I'm like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. This is not healthy. That's when I found out that I would stress myself out to the point that my body was like, sis, we're dying. This is a call for help. So that was basically when I was going to school and working full time and had an internship. And you know, in my heart and soul, it made sense. Like, why would I put myself through such, duh, such strenuous stuff just to have a successful career? But yeah, I also was very lucky because I, from when people started getting periods, a lot of people would complain about their cramps and how it hurt. A sister don't get cramps, so I don't know what that feels like. So I am very blessed in that regard. So, <laughs> but what about you? Right. In that regard? In that regard. Yeah, not having cramps. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to just put this out there. I've always been a Nubian princess. And as a princess, the queen prepares the princess for her lot in life. My mother always told me what was going to happen. Always. She did not sugarcoat it. She was just like, hey, so... But at a certain age, she was like, hey, so what do you know about sex? And I remember because we, I was in a locked car going on an errand. And I was like, oh, oh, dang. Is it too late for me to jump out, tuck and roll? She said, tuck and roll. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> so we had the sex talk and we had period talk. And we, like, it always happened during car rides. I was locked in a in a, a tin can, couldn't get out. And she was always like, so what do you know about STDs? And I'm just like, oh, hold on. First of all, miss, I'm like 13. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to tell me about STDs? <laughs> so I was always prepared for the, those things. Um, I grew up in a pro-everything house, um, meaning my mom being in the medical field, she wants to make sure I was prepared. I got my period late. I had the signs of getting a period at about like 11 or 12, but I didn't get it until 14. Mm-hmm. And at first, uh, we thought it was because I had weight problems. I've always had weight problems. And he was like, no. And th- at that time, I was actually like thin. And so my doctor was like, no, she's just a late mm-hmm. bloomer in that regard. And my, I remember my mom and my grandma looked at my breasts and was like, really? Because you got those shits early. So ooh, ooh. yeah, I got my breasts at like second grade. <laughs> hey, I wasn't like... I was looking at you like them titties. No, because I was also big. So... They didn't mm-hmm. care. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it wasn't in the shape they wanted, so they didn't care. Uh, the quintessential like porn model type deal. No, just the quintessential breast and no stomach. Ah, mm. uh. yeah. So I was in a training bra for literally a month, and then my aunt told my mom she was like, "It's time for her to get a real bra. Please stop buying her these training bras." So I got myself a real bra. Um, I f- I felt good about it too because I was like, "Ooh, I got titties." <laughs> So my period story is I was home alone when I got my period and your rusty behind didn't get cramps, but I had cramps up the wazoo. I've always had horrible cramps in my like uterus and like, don't laugh, but like it went all the way to like my butt. I have butt cramps and them shits hurt more than vagina cramps. If you guys know what I'm talking about out there, anybody, anybody that's ever had a period, if you know what I'm talking about. I feel like they would. And you know butt cramps are worse than uterus cramps. I'm just saying. I feel like they would. Follow us. <laughs> oh my God. But I, that was the first of my cramps and I, I did what I was supposed to do because my grandma would always be like, this is how you clean like period panties, blah, blah, blah. Um, Cause she would do laundry and my mom was the only one in the house with the period. Um, so 
She's like, this is how you clean them for when, when you get yours. And I was like, okay. And so I put my 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 underwear in some oxyclean and water, put a pad on that I stole from my mother. Wasn't really stealing at that point. We're sharing now. <laughs> and uh, I got in my grandma's bed and my grandma was just like, what's wrong with you? And I told her, I said, I got my period. I said, it really hurts. I told her, I was like, my cramps are really bad. And then the way, the way I get cramps is like, at first it was the uterus only, but because it goes up the butt, it affects your back. Mm-hmm. So so starts at the uterus and goes in the back and then goes up your up your back your spine. So then like I'm just hunched over, mm-hmm. and you've seen it at you actually seen it when we worked together. Um, Sasha and I used to work together at uh, before COVID at a job, and she's actually seen, she didn't know what it was though. No one knew what it was. They just thought my back was hurting, and it'll be all those times I was hunched over. That's what that was. Because, you know, we worked in a restaurant setting. So it's just like, oh, her body's broken today, too. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's body will be broken like every other day. So mm-hmm. I feel like that's also why I was never questioned. But I would be I was a barista making coffee, lattes, all that. And I would be hunched over making somebody's latte, you know, flat white, cappuccino, you know, half calf, whatever. So th- that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! All right, what are mm-hmm. what are the myths about womanhood that you now know that when you were a kid you were like, "This is definitely gonna happen to me." I honestly, in that case, didn't really know about myths. I wanted to say like I felt like everyone like after you got your period, it was supposed to get easy. You're supposed to know your body. You're supposed to be comfortable with yourself. Child is a lie. I felt like I that's the biggest myth. You do not know your body until you get older and until it goes through certain changes. Like one thing that I we definitely going to address is body image. So growing up, the perfect body, skinny, plump boobs, slim waist, like nice um, toned out legs. Those were ideal. That's what people desire, like flawless skin, long hair. And so I felt like, okay, especially as being a bigger girl when I was younger too, I was like, oh, I have to lose weight. I have to try to be this ideal body type. Like I wanted to get into makeup. I did for a little in college and I do like it, not going to lie, but I didn't do it for the proper reasons. I thought I did it as a sense of like, I want to make myself appear prettier to everyone else, but you don't need to do that. You need to be able to come into your own and understand your own and understand your body. Like, Hey, I learned later on in life, you know, people back, I don't know if it's the same case for you. But back in the day, stretch marks weren't sexy. No one told us that you're going to get them either way. Because, you know, it's not just being like... Yeah, no matter what size you are, you're getting them shits. Exactly. It's going to be a thing. But, you know, growing up, you're like, oh, man, I have stretch marks. And I do remember when I was younger, someone pointed out, like, oh, my mom has stretch marks, too. I'm like, why do I have the body... Of a mom. Of an older (laughs) woman, of a mom. And when you hear that as a child, you're like, cool, now my body is definitely far from the ideal. So I'm big on like body image as a female and having to learn to just, you know, it took me a while. It took me a very long time in retrospect to understand that, hey, these are just ideals, but this is not the norm. A regular body has stretch marks, things sag, whether it's your belly or your boobies, 
like things will i can't believe i said boobies like that (laughs) things will sag and things will not look like pristine yeah but what about you no yeah um body image was all was such a myth for the longest time i thought the girls of the commercial looked like the girls of the commercial i thought Mm -hmm. it was all their hair i thought like the people in my class that were like seen as beautiful because they were thinner and they had long hair Mm -hmm. i just thought like everyone who's pretty had that um yeah uh no one told me that that's all fake. That's all Photoshop. That's all extensions, extra care. The girls in, a, in the commercials are tanned up to the gods. They're bronze. They're putting Vaseline all over their body so they're shiny and shit. All of the stretch marks are edited out. Like, no one told me this. So for the longest time, I was depressed about my body. From, like, middle school age to, like, early, like, high school. I was depressed about my body. Um, mainly because I was also bullied in middle school. And so, along with feeling, like, not worthy of mm-hmm. friends and, like, love from other people, I just felt like, I was like, damn, and I'm ugly. To boot. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it wasn't just the standards of outside of the standards of my classmates. It was the standards of people, my peers that I wanted approval of. And I was the type of child that wanted approval so badly that I would, I, I would just do things randomly you know what i mean um i i grew out of that shit real quick in high school mm-hmm. it was like it's like like 10th grade up um as soon as i left my middle school i mm-hmm. not that i was fine about my body i was like oh my god i'm perfect but i was just like it is what it is that's when i took the it is what it is stance about my body um also like also growing up i did have a hard time losing weight i would diet on and off on and off i finally lost a lot of weight in like mm-hmm. 7th to eighth grade i lost a whole bunch of weight uh i mean i was still bullied but <laughs> i lost weight <laughs> um and so i i w- it was just a hard time accepting myself for who i am mm-hmm. I, I like i know now i'm like self-love love yourself don't take no shit from nobody but i was a doormat i was the type of person that took shit from people i was the type of person who did not see the value of my worth. Like, I was the type of person who was, like, bullied all through school, came home crying in elementary school, to the, and to the point my mom had to go to the school and talk about bullying. And, you know, then kids would look at me like, well, you said stuff too? And I'll be like, and then my mom thinking, but I'm defending myself. So I was the type of person where, like, in middle school, I was bullied, but I didn't tell my mom, kind of, I want her to stop coming up to my school. It was getting embarrassing. <laughs> so it was, a lot went into my childhood that was, like, traumatic. But... The biggest thing I really took away from it was that nobody thinks they're pretty at all. Even beautiful people do not think they're beautiful. I made up, like, I've made friends with pretty people, especially like high school, college. I'm a friend with pretty people. And I'll be like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. And they're like, what are you talking about? Look at my hips. Look at my feet. Look at the, and I'll be like, oh. And I think that's when I it kind of finally clicked in my head where I was just like, oh, yeah. everybody feels this way. It's not just me. It's not, mm-hmm. I'm not an abnormal person. I'm not the only person in, on the, like a solo island. You know what I mean? Um, I'm beautiful. You know what I mean? Like it, it took me a while to get to that point of like, mm-hmm. oh, this is everybody's problem. Then I had friends who grew up yeah thin like on a thinner side who complain about being thin and i'll be like girl right your body uh (laughs) and i had friends who grew up on like just like just a thick like hourglass shaped Mm -hmm. side or whatever and they would complain because they had a little bit of stomach or something yes so no one prepared me for like 
how much of a roller coaster womanhood is. Like growing into your woman, growing yes. into your beautiful. Like you said, you you did makeup in college to be more beautiful, to be the standard. I was afraid of eyeshadow for a long time, a very long time. At Curvy Donut. <laughs> All right, sorry, I'm gonna have to interject here. Um, the fact that you said that, you have some nerve. Guys, go follow this girl on Instagram. Look at her makeup looks. Talking about, I'm afraid of eye. <laughs> I'm afraid of eyeshadow. The audacity. <laughs> no, I was. I was afraid of eyeshadow. Like, mm-hmm. I remember I went to the Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week with my mom when I was in, like, mm-hmm. 10th grade. And there was this Maybelline, like, dispenser. And it was, it was kind of like we can go get a snack and you put the money in, except you don't need money. You just press a button. And it gave me like the their tattoo eyeshadow thing and it was blue. And I was like, ooh, this is such a pretty color. I'm gonna experiment with it. Never did it because I was afraid to put it on my face. I was afraid of eyeshadow for the longest time. It took until literally prom for me not to be afraid of eyeshadow. And even then I was like, okay, minimum eyeshadow. I don't wanna fuck it up. And then when I got to college, it was minimal eyeshadow until I don't know what happened, but I was like, I wanna try eyeshadow. And it was also a combination of me watching a lot of beauty videos on YouTube. I am a big, um, like, I'm a big fan of Jackiana. Mm-hmm. Jackiana, if you're listening, what's up? I'm a big fan. I was a big fan of, like, small, smaller YouTubers who just, like, said products they really liked, not products mm-hmm. that they thought would get views. You know what I mean? It was it was back when the beauty community was still coming into its own, but you can make money off of it. And it was no, it was toxic, but it wasn't as toxic as it is now. It wasn't as bad as now. Now we just like all hell has broken loose. I don't know what the hell happened. Y'all need to get it together. So I watch a lot of like those beauty videos and I finally got a a Morphe palette, a color Morphe palette. It was shitty as hell. Oh my God. That formula on that palette was shitty. I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I don't remember what it was, but the formula was shitty. I had to like dig really deep into the, like the color to even get the color. I had to do a lot to make it appear on my face before I knew about like uh, base color bases and primers. It was it was a lot, mm-hmm. but that's how I got into makeup. <laughs> and like I said, uh, shameless plug. What's your Instagram, sis? At Curvy Donut. Check it out. Her makeup looks are crazy. Okay, when did you first realize that you were no longer a girl but a, like a full-fledged woman uh that is a good question because in retrospect i think having your period is like supposedly your sign of womanhood so let's just unpack that the fact that people figure feel that one by having their period you're officially a woman because now you technically can give birth yeah i was about to say that comes from the old age when they're like give birth early at 14 go ahead we're not promoting this by the way no seriously that's where it comes from. The earlier a woman got her period, the earlier she can have babies and give a man his heirs and shit. That is wild. But no, also that's another one. The fact that when you first have sex, people are like, oh, now you're really a woman. Like how, I don't understand how that equates. So I think for me, I never, I, like I've always felt like I was a child until I hit 20. To me, age determines your your like your your womanhood i know it's kind of old-fashioned and but i never really thought about like oh i'm officially a woman now it was just i'm hey i have to start paying bills technically i'm an adult yeah no i have i've had those i'm an adult moments 
Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, like, it was definitely not with my period or sex. A, because my period came at 14 and I was definitely not going to tell my grandmother and mother, I'm a woman. And B, because I'm still a virgin, guys. <laughs> I am 25 years old and I'm still a virgin. So sex does not make you a woman. Trust me. Everybody that mm-hmm. thinks... Oh, like I'm having sex. I'm out here. I'm a woman. You're not, honey. You just had sex. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> um, but I've definitely had those I'm, a, I'm an adult moments when I paid bills on my own. Um, I think my I I'm a woman moment is when I realized I was an adult, and it happened this year actually, during quarantine. I was like, oh my god, I'm helping paying rent. I'm paying the phone bill, electricity bill. I'm an adult, and then I was like, oh, I'm technically. A woman. Oh my god. <laughs> Watch out, world. A woman coming through. Hey. A queen in the house. Hey. 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 But <laughs> why are you like this? Oh my god. I don't know. <laughs> but I definitely did not feel like an adult or a woman for like most of my life. My especially most of my twenties. I was just like I'm still a child. I'm still living with my mom. I feel like because I live with my mom, I felt like still a child, but not really, even though I was taking care of her for some of the time. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, I guess feeling like a woman depends on your independence. Mm-hmm. Feeling like a woman depends on your, uh, what is it? Your awareness of situations. Um, if you are still naive in certain ways, and in certain ways you could still be a little girl. Like you could still be a woman and still have little girl tendencies. You know what I mean? Yes. You can still be naive to certain mm-hmm. things. And those are little girl tendencies. What were we saying? And, oh, no, I was saying definitely. And then as stated before, a lot of people were like, oh, in order to be a full on like woman, you have to have a vagina. So what does that say for trans females who feel felt like a woman all their life, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I'm going to say this. When if you're a little boy and you feel like, you know, you should have been born a girl, then you're a little girl. If you're a teenager, a uh, teenage boy, and you feel like you should have been born a, a, a girl, a girl, then you're still a teenage girl. You know what I mean? I feel like, mm-hmm. personally, I'm not, I, I'm not trans. I, so I can't fully say this, but what I've witnessed, like, online and um, looking at, you know, YouTube videos, stuff like that, I feel like it's their time to go through what we went mm-hmm. through. They may not have the periods or and they, yes, they paid for their breasts technically <laughs> and their vagina, but they still have to go through the insecurities of their looks. They still have to go through the insecurities of their bodies. They still, they still have to go through the insecurities of what they think they should look like versus what they look like. It's technically the same process, just different timing. So to them, I say like, if you're still in your naive little girl phase, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it, it legit is okay because there are women who are born women who have children in a marriage still in their little girl mm-hmm. phase. All right, still acting like a child, doing childish shit. You know they still have to go through the mm-hmm. harassment of people on the street, especially like cis men who have toxic masculinity issues. Um, mm-hmm. So like I said, right. it's the same process in my mind. Just without a period and without someone telling them, now you're a woman. Like when you're born a, a girl, people like to tell you, oh, you're coming into a young lady. Like It's like they like to tell you each stage that of your life. Like, I don't know about you, but like when I got my first weave, my grandma was like, oh, now you're a young woman. And I was just like, yeah. it's a weave. <laughs> Loved my grandmother dearly, but she was one of those traditional 
women um, as far as womanhood was concerned. I remember having this conversation with her where she asked me, she's like, what are you going to do when you're married? Your husband wants you to cook and clean. And I said, why can't he cook and clean? And she said, uh. And just because she was just, she's from the South, she was, you know, she was raised differently. She, that's what she thought should happen. And I always had different expectations of my life. I've always had like a different opinion of what my life should be like. I'm not saying I shouldn't know how to cook, but what I'm saying is I, if he wants, if he comes so hungry, he comes so hungry. Cause that means I'm still at work. If there's no breakfast on the dinner table, that means I'm still at work. I mean, I mean, on dinner on the dinner table. Wow. If there's no breakfast in the morning, that means I went to work before he did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you're not amputated. Go ahead and make yourself something. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that because I was talking to my partner the other day and I was just like, hey, you know, you cook more than I do. So, like, don't expect me to cook. He's like, I figured. Don't worry. That's no problem. <laughs> I'm dead. But, <laughs> but no, I actually have a question because i was thinking about this the other day wait hold up before you ask the question i do want to say if mm-hmm. any professional chefs out there um i would love to be your food taster oh my god your girlfriend <laughs> your friend your companion your confidant your confidant if you're a professional gourmet <laughs> chef at me at every donut this one's for you go ahead sasha <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all right so i was thinking about this the other day are there any like beauty standards that you do that people would either say like, oh, you're only doing it for like your partner or you're only doing it because society tells you to do it. But yes. in retrospect, you really just enjoy it. Yes. M- makeup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I do like the like, when I first started makeup, I started doing like the Instagram makeup. So that's definitely a form of makeup that mm-hmm. I don't know why men on the internet love to be like, you're only doing it for this guy's attention or this person's attention. Sir, I did not spend over $50 on makeup alone for your attention all right i want attention of other women Mm -hmm. people don't understand this men do not understand this women get dressed for other women right women lose weight for other women women wear makeup for other women and when i say this i don't mean like romantically i mean approval wise because women are always in competition with each other to the point where we do things for the approval of the women so they can be either be jealous of us so they can say oh my god i i want what she has that type of thing and in a way we want that admiration from other women so when we get a 25 dollar glittery eyeshadow you know container and put it on our eyelids and do a smoky eye and put on a sexy dress it's really not for you it's for the other bitch in the corner so she could be like damn i want what she got do not flatter yourselves not everything is for you okay so i was thinking that like the other day i'm sitting here shaving my legs you know looking at my eyebrows because yes guys they gotta get done the sister gotta get the eyebrows done but anyway look here and so i'm sitting like you know People would honestly say like, oh, you're perfect just the way you are. You don't need to get your eyebrows done. You don't need to shave your legs. But in my heart and soul, it's like, I like when my legs are shaved. Have you ever touched like smooth, shaved legs? Oof. Girl. Oh, yeah. Yes. I remember when I first shaved my legs and I showed my mom, she was mad at me because I had barely any hair there. I don't shave my legs, first of all, anymore. Um, I used to in middle school. Um, in early high school because I thought like I like the feel of the nicely fresh I just like the feel of the nicely fresh shaven legs I don't actually need to because I don't have any hair so I'm gonna just put that out there 
ooh, that's why I don't got cramps, but I got hair on my legs. You you have cramps, but you have smooth legs. Look here. God knew what he was doing. He did his thing. He was like, let me not make you Quasimodo, okay? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, you're already a BBW. You don't need to be hairy, too. I was like, thank you, Jesus. You know me. You know my life. But, um, yeah, I love a freshly shaven leg. Do you shave south of the border? Yes, I I do too. I like it to look bald. Oh, see, I don't, I don't do all that. But I don't know. It's also not going. Uh, it's a, I don't know. It's a, I feel like it's a grooming thing. You have to groom no matter what. But if you go all natural, yeah. Do you boo? I ain't mad at you, but me, I like it to be upkept. But oh, <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> and no, I think that is so so interesting because it's like. Certain aspects, certain things, people are just saying like, oh, this is, this, yes, this is considered feminine, but you don't have to do it. You know, all types of femininity exists, but some people be quick to say, well, you know, you shouldn't shave your legs or take care of this or take care of that because you're just doing it for the male gaze. And like, as Leandra said earlier, you either do it for other women or you do it for yourself. Yeah. Also, also, if I'm, if anybody, anybody that tells you and they know you got hairy ass legs that you don't need to shave, either they're trying to be PC or they're not your friend. Um, I say that because I will be quick to tell you like, Hey, you missed a striped spot on the back of your leg. I don't know if you meant to do that, Mm -hmm. but, but also you're my friend. You know what I mean? Now, if it's a woman on the street who obviously missed a stripe, I'm not gonna tell her. I'm gonna just be like, I guess if she meant to do that. But like I said, like, I feel like the whole, like, you don't, like, you beautiful, like, ungroomed, basically. To me, because to me, not shaving certain parts of your body is ungrooming. Only because of the fact that with hair, there comes odor. Mm. So your legs, you, you technically don't need to. So that's fine. But under your arms, shave under your arms. I am sorry. I don't, I'm sorry that if it does not sound nice and cute <laughs> or like PC, <laughs> but there is an odor that emits from you. When you do not shave your underarms, cause you sweat. Even if it's cold outside, you sweat. Pointing, thinking about this now and talking about hygiene. As a bigger woman, do you are you more cautious with your hygiene because you're like, oh, okay, I'm bigger. I want to make sure I smell good at all times because you know it's the whole stereotype of oh, you know, big people they stink, they're lazy. Gah, gah, gah. Um, my hygiene started at an early age because. And coming into puberty, my grandmother, uh, I live, I grew up with my grandparents, by the way. So my grandmother, and my mother were like the main women in the house who I had as like examples of womanhood and examples of how women should act. So my mother, she worked overnight a lot of my childhood. So in the mornings and after schools, I would see my grandmother most. And my grandmother was like a traditional woman, you know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. when she had a scent perfume, like she had a signature scent. It was it was the Lancome um, white diamonds. Um, it you know she had like uh, the way she did her makeup. She like used to put like red lipstick on her cheeks to blush up her cheeks, and then do the same red on her lips. You know, on Sundays. Um, she you know she you know she put her outfits together really nicely. She knew how to dress. She had a sense of style. My grandmother old had sense of style. So. When I was coming up, she taught me how to wash myself. And she said, listen, she said, us bigger girl, she said, we have to do a little extra sometimes. And I remember one day she put me back into the shower and made me wash under my biscuits, rolls, biscuits, whatever y'all want to call them. And <laughs> I just got every crevice 
and that's how I learned how to wash. So yes, I am extra careful because I am bigger because like the more like fat and fold you have, the more you have to be careful of when, you know, during the day, like I said, everybody sweats. So that means you're sweating all over your body. Even when you sleep, you sweat actually. Um, so you really have to make sure those places are clean and damp. Um, because they can emit an odor if they're not taken care of properly or not done properly. Now, some people just have, um, sweat glands that just sweat out profusely who are also bigger. I don't know what to say to them. I've never had that problem. I'm so sorry. But I would think it's the same thing, right? Like, just make sure it's damp. You're, you know, after you shower, I like to, I like to air dry, to be honest. I know it's TMI, but I like to air dry. Um, just because of, just, just because, like, I don't know. I feel like when you dry with a towel, there's still some places that, that are still like a little wet and it feels uncomfortable. So when I'm at home, I just air dry. No, that's, that's fine. I, my mom did the same thing with me. She was like, you know, you're a bigger girl. So you have to be extra cautious. You have to make sure you clean everything. Okay. And I always thought it was funny because even now I will shower in the morning and live my best life. I will, mind you, I'll be in the house. But say if I'm going out later in the day, I will re-shower again. It's just a habit that I noticed that I picked up as I got older. I would just re-shower again before I go because, you know, I want to make sure I smell re-refreshed. And it, like in retrospect, I want to say it doesn't make sense. But to me, I love to just do it to make sure that I am always clean and fresh at the same time. I don't know if you have this, like, problem or thought but in the summertime oh summertime oh i God, am I cleaning like no other so all right i've gotten compliments in the right. past saying that i smell like a beautiful black woman i'm trying to keep that up in my life <laughs> all right right um there's a lot i don't have going for me but i always smell good and i'm trying to keep that up in my life so in the summertime i am extra cautious like i will lay when I air dry, I will lay down and, you know, everything goes up when you lay down <laughs> and everything under your boobs, like get dry like that and stuff like that. Boob sweat. Ooh, the There's boob something sweat. called a ta-ta towel, by the way. Ooh, what is that? Um, not sponsored, but the ta-ta towel, I haven't bought it yet, but I really want to. But the ta-ta towel is like, it was invented by this woman who had like under boob sweat and she was tired of it. And so basically it's, for women of any boob shape, they come in sizes. But if you have like under boob sweat or like under boob pimples, it helps to decrease that. Or under boob rash, it helps to decrease that. So it's a towel that goes around your neck, lifts up your boobs, and and you just live your life like that. Oh, I think I've seen that one. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. I really want it. <laughs> I think over this summer, this summer actually, I come to realize like, oh my God, I sweat a lot. And for all you people out there who know, sweat is gross. Yes, it's it's a thing. We have to have it. If we don't sweat, we can overheat and die, yada, yada, yada. That don't mean it's no less gross. So when I would be outside, I'd make sure I have a little towel. I had a baggie, a baggie with a towel moist towelettes you know you gotta carry a little deodorant because especially if you're gonna stay outside all day you gotta re-up and I would just have to carry this bag with me at all times because I'm like I'm not gonna be smelling crazy smelling like sweat looking wild out in these streets I make it sound like I roam these streets but you know what I'm saying so with that being said (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh my God. Thank you for thank you for that though. Cause you're right. No one's smell crazy out here. Even mm. big, skinny, medium, whatever. It don't man or woman. You don't want something smell crazy. Yeah. But with that being said, what are our three random questions of the episode? Ooh, ooh, ooh. So you know it's time, and you know I'm already starting off with a big one. You're right. You ready? Oh God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what advice would you give the 14 year old you? So what oh. advice would you give yourself at 14? Was it before or after I got my period? I mean, pick and choose. Try after. I want to see what happens after. Um, 14 year old me. Damn. Here's a makeup palette, bitch. Make a YouTube channel. You're going to get rich. Don't wait till it's too late. <laughs> so why are you calling your 14 year old self, bitch? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to know who I am until she looks in the mirror years later. This is the lady that called me a bitch. But <laughs> I'm that lady that called me a bitch. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, just the, I think, I don't think I would tell myself anything. To be honest with you, I think I would just watch myself because those horrible, horrible experiences and those traumatic times, it made me the person I am. It helped make the person I am because when I got to high school, I stopped being a doormat. I started standing like standing up for myself. You know what I mean? Um, I learned things on my own. I, I learned them the hard way, but I learned them on my own. I feel like I would just watch myself to see what dumb shit I did, but I wouldn't give myself actual advice. Because at the end of the day, I know I'm the type of person that needs to learn from life experiences other than being told. Because when you're told, you're being told. It's like it's like when your parents buy you something versus when you work for it. Yeah. You don't appreciate it until you actually worked for the money to pay for it. Yeah. You don't take care of it until you actually put your blood, sweat, and tears into a paycheck yes. for what you want. And that's how I feel like my life experiences were. I didn't appreciate what was said to me until I lived it and went through it and finally learned on my own who I am as a person. I finally learned on my own that I'm beautiful. I finally learned on my own that I am worthy of the type of love I want to have. You know what I mean? So I really wouldn't tell myself anything. You? Oh, I would tell myself the world and more because I was a very, I was an interesting child. Uh, my 14 year old self was very calm, very quiet only stuck to what she knew and I I to me I think I was the perfect Mary Sue character in a sense so for everyone who might not know a Mary Sue is just a all-around character that's just you know smart kind sweet but they don't have a personality goody two-shoes yes basically and I to me that's how I was I may have had these little hobbies that helped me out you know I had did have friends but I didn't have a, I didn't have a strong enough personality where I would be like, okay, this is who I am as a person, and this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I don't think I really grew into that until, like, high school, college. You know, now I just know at this age who I am. So I think I would tell myself just to fuck up a little more. It sounds so terrible in retrospect, but no, I know what you mean. Make mistakes. It's okay. Yes, because you learn from them. And I feel like I would have learned a lot. And also, I think I would have told myself to confide in, if not your family, your friends more. Because that's something I learned now. And I learned it's actually harder for me to do now because 
of the fact that I used to handle everything on my own when I was younger. If it did not pertain to school, if it was like maybe my mental health or me questioning certain things, I would just like embody it and leave it alone rather than seek out help for it. And I think also at the time of when we were younger, that wasn't seen as a thing either. Having, oh, mental health concerns. Um, or... I, to be honest with you, I didn't confide of certain things in people because I always knew not to. <laughs> I was the type of person, like, I had to learn how to keep a little bit more things because I was a, definitely open book as a kid. But, like, I couldn't tell myself, fuck up more. I was already a fuck up. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> like, I, I made mistakes. I was clumsy. I was accident prone. Like, I made mistakes. <laughs> definitely. Um, but I, I feel you. I feel you. You want to you wanna, you wanna learn how to be more open. I feel you. So, what's the second question, girl? Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. Um, this question... I think you would really enjoy. What do you think life is teaching me right now? So I'm going to ask, I'm going to say what life is teaching you and you're going to say what life is teaching me. Oh, I have a couple of answers. <laughs> um, oh my God, you make it sound like, oh sis, you need help. No, 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 no. I have a couple of answers because like, <laughs> just because like I have seen your growth since I met you and I've only met you like, I met you like in 2017. So it's only been like three years, right? Has it? It's feel like a lifetime. That's not good. What? Girl, that's supposed to be, that's supposed to be cute. You're like, I felt like I've known you all my life. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like it feels like a lifetime because you so much to handle. Like, that's how I took it. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I feel like right now, not right now, but I feel like life has, since I met you, has taught you, um, like you say, you didn't know how to be open. It has taught you how to be open. It has taught you how to stand up for yourself. Because when I met you, you used to be like, I let it go. I let it go. I let it go. And I was just like, ew. <laughs> like, I thought that was so gross. I think that's so gross when anybody says it. Because um, I'm like, if you're right and something wrong is being done to you, why wouldn't you say anything? Like, in my mind, I'm just like, why wouldn't you say anything? I think life has taught you, though, that it is okay to love. You know what I mean? Especially right you know, right now, um, you and your partner. And, you know, I haven't really, I have never seen you in a relationship before. And I don't even think you have seen yourself in a relationship before. You know what I mean? Like an actual And, and, and especially one. a relationship that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it like that. So I think it's just teaching you a lot about like, it's okay to say yes. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say I don't want this in my life. I, it's okay to say I want this in my life. It's okay to say I want this person. I don't want this person. Because in that way, you, in my eyes, you have had trouble with that. Yes, definitely. That's a talk for another so, day. <laughs> so what has life taught me? Uh, life taught you that it can be hard. God, yes. But no. <laughs> too soon, too close to oh, the heart. Jesus. But... <laughs> but no, honestly, that's that's the thing. Life has taught you that it can be hard and it has taught you that you can persevere. I think with you, because like you said, it's only been, I didn't even think it was three years. I've always thought it was four, but you're right. It's only been three years. And I've seen you go through different stages of like, this is what I want to do with my life. This is what I want to do now. Oh my God, I'm going through a midlife crisis. I'm like, 
girl, you're 25. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to go through a midlife, or what's it called, a quarter-life crisis, and you won't have your shit together. Nobody does, and if they do, they have had some sort of good circumstances in their life to allow them to be able to have their shit together. But you just keep pushing. You still will go out, have a good time. It's your energy. You're Even though life is teaching you that, yes, I can kick you in the face. You're like, cool, I'm tired of getting kicked in the face, but let me get back up because I got work to do. Let me just handle my business first and then I'll lay down later. And it's keeping you not only on your toes, but it's making you strive for better. That's what I'm seeing in you. You keep striving no matter what to keep pushing yourself and keep doing better. And yeah, that's why I feel that you'll do so thank well. You, you'll have you, so much success because of um, What is the last question before we end this episode? All right. So it's not a question, but it Ooh, is a story, story time. time. You know, a sister enjoys a good story time. And since... <laughs> Ew, ew. All right, so this episode was about womanhood and our experiences. So I need to know. I want to know, Leandra. Oh, God. <laughs> I want you to tell me three moments that changed your life. So I want you to contribute womanhood to it. So what moments, whether it's from a strong female or anything, that helped change your life to make you a better Woman or better person in general? The three things that changed my life. Um, well, for those of you who didn't know, my grandparents both died while I was in high school. Not together, but they died four years apart. So my grandfather died when I was beginning ninth grade. And my grandmother died when I was ending my senior year. She didn't get to see me graduate. My grandfather, we knew he was going to pass because he'd been sick for a long time. We knew it was coming. We were prepared. My grandmother, on the other hand, we were not prepared for that. It was a complete shock. She had an aneurysm in our garage and she went brain dead and that is how she died. Her death affected me so much because we did not see eye to eye on a lot of things, honestly. Um, but we still, but we loved each other. You know what I mean? I grew up with her. I lived in her roof, under her roof for 18 years. Um... And to me, she was one of those, one of those examples of like a strong woman that life handed you, handed you these sour ass lemons. You put some Lipton tea in it and made like a cute little honor palmer. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so when she died, it really just affected like, wow, people who I see as like on a pedestal in a way as like strong individuals, individuals that can take and take what life gives them only to like come back and say well this is what we got to do they can die and that was one of my first examples of just losing someone like that losing someone that helped to especially helped to raise you into becoming at the time I was a young woman a young girl or whatever it, it, it was hurtful it was especially not knowing I didn't get to say goodbye the proper way knowing I didn't get to have like certain talks with her when things were going south in my life it was just sad and so her death hit me really hard not gonna lie but as a woman it like she taught me everything a lot of or a lot of things about being a young woman up until I was like 18. The second thing that helped to mold me into a woman um is when my mom got like really bedridden and sick because then I had to be the breadwinner. I had to go out there and make money to pay bills, 
so that we can survive, not even so that we can live, so we can survive. And it was actually one of the lowest points in my adulthood because I did not think I can do it. I was just like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I, I honestly, I wanted to give up, but I couldn't because how do I look giving up and not doing what I have to do? Um, I'm the only child. I, I wasn't going to have help. So just certain things forcing me to like buck up and become the adult I was supposed to be. You know, those two things really affected that. <laughs> All of my stories are tragic. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no. The third thing. No, it's okay. <laughs> oh, I hate talking about this person. But the third thing does have to do with my biological father. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't know that man. Um, he he disowned me from the day I was born. Literally from the day I was born. He disowned me recently, actually, during quarantine, when people were finding out that he had secret children. I would like to say I'm a family scandal. Me and my brother are family scandals. So we were secret children for a long time. And... I found my siblings over Facebook and I went through this phase of like, I guess I was trying a way of trying to force a bond that was that had to grow and you couldn't just force it because I thought, okay, finally, you know, family that accepts me um, on my father's side because I just never felt accepted by him because he disowned me. <laughs> and for the longest time, I had a really hard time accepting the fact that he really like legitimately disowned me. Like he really told people I'm not his child. I'm his child. <laughs> I'm definitely his child. I'm his fucking child. But I had a really hard time coping with that until my, I was in Florida. Um, when was it? The end of June, early July. And my friend, she was just like, why are you crying over this man? She was like, he has nothing to do with the beautiful person you became, the beautiful woman you became. Why? Why? And it, it kind of goes back to the the worthiness feeling of like, I wasn't even good enough for my own father to want. You know what I mean? And I had to really get out of that this year and fully come into like, you know what, fuck him. You know what I mean? The fully come into like, he's his loss. He's missing out because at the end of the day, this man's going to need me one day. And I hope that the children that he owns up to are there for him because I certainly will not be. I hope that the children that he helped to raise and that he was in, in the he was when he was in their lives he was a good parent and good person because he wasn't to me or my brother. And I know that for I know for a fact I can say this for a fact that if he asked us for anything we would say no. Um, this man could ask for blood transfusion or he died tomorrow. Yes, you'd have to see your maker tomorrow. Sorry, like and. I had to forgive him. I had to learn to forgive him. And so I don't say this out of bitterness. I say it out of fact. I don't, I just, I take my own advice. I tell people all the time, don't waste your time on people who don't that see your value or worth. And I had to do the same, but I had to do the same with my own father. So it just felt harder in a way, even though I, I, I met him once and then he forgot I mailed me. <laughs> um, so these things help to like either reinforce who I was as a person or make me grow up into an independent person, a person who knows to take care of their business. Because I no longer had the cushion of my grandmother. I no longer had that cushion of my mom. I no longer could like 
hide behind the fact that my father doesn't exist in my head <laughs> and like he's real he's still out there being a dick like you know what I mean so either so his situation kind of reinforced what I've always known about myself and told myself and told other people to think about themselves and they really like put to the test like do you really love yourself and yes I do like I said earlier in the episode I grew up a Nubian princess and as a princess you just have to prepare for the hard times how about you um, so while you were talking, I was also thinking about it. Uh, I don't think, well, no, <laughs> I'm just gonna reveal some stuff about my life. So I guess the first moment would be the moment my mama kicked my butt. Like kicked it, like she took a foot and, and I put it in your butt? Ever since then, I- Or she beat you. Uh, you know, she might as well have. Uh, so if anyone, <laughs> I feel like everyone might have gone through this or most people have gone through this where you challenge your parents- so I guess that particular time I challenged her. Mind you, I probably challenged I can't remember what the challenge was, but it probably had to deal with me going to a bookstore or me going to the library with friends. It was never like, Mom, I want to roam the streets. It's like, no, Mom, I want to go read a book. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> so that's what made it even more funny to know that I remember very vividly my mom, I guess I got real disrespectful. And she, she just looked at me popped her earrings off real quick and I was like oh no I've never seen this before and she came after me and that was it I feel like ever since then oh here's yes ma'am no ma'am I don't fight my mama because she got me good that one day and that was all I needed and I, and my even my daddy was like I tried to save him <laughs> damn but then he kept talking I am. he said don't say <laughs> that she don't want to be saved like after that I couldn't do nothing basically so I think that moment was very pivotal in my life because I do feel like after that moment I just became more even more respectful I would think I was pretty respectful but that moment was like <laughs> ooh, ooh, mama got me she got me uh the, the second moment was in college and I did not realize I had anxiety until I called my aunt so in college for people who are listening from my college town y'all already know how I had worked several jobs I worked at a cafe a food truck a like a coffee shop I worked in a lab I worked as an RA I was constantly in motion because you know college is expensive and I needed any means to make money I wasn't lucky enough where well I didn't want my parents to feel like they had to pay my way and they didn't I did everything on my own I did it. I did the thing. But I remember when I was applying to grad schools and I noticed that everyone wasn't getting, other people weren't getting into the program that I worked for. And it was so interesting to see their rejections because it was like they had 4.0s, high GREs. They did this, they did this, they had research. And I'm sitting here like, these people are truly amazing. Why do I think I'm going to get in grad school? With my, I, I think I had probably like a 3.2 GPA. Um, I didn't have research under my belt. Mind you, in retrospect, it was two different programs too. So it didn't make no sense. But in my head, I was like, they're brilliant. And I am not living up to their standards. So how am I getting into a grad school program? And I was talking to my aunt. And my aunt said, hey, do you have anxiety? Because you sound like you're about to go have an attack right now you need to calm down you need to breathe and that's when I realized like oh my god I do have some sort of anxiety I never got it diagnosed but 
it's there and I know it's there and it's that moment when I really started uh, looking at my mental health and really thinking like, oh my God, I have to find ways to cope with this. Mind you, it didn't really happen until later on in life where I am able to know the signs of, oh, I'm having an anxiety attack. This is what I need to do. And it's always moments where I feel like my life is taking a shift. That's why I'm like, okay, calm down. You have to breathe. You know how to handle this. And I attribute it to my aunt for being able to put words to it to help me understand what I'm saying and what I'm doing. The last moment I would believe, huh, I don't really know. I think I feel like a good moment for me, the last moment for me that really changed my life was, you know, I'm going to have to put it out there. It was the (laughs) Rona. I don't know why I always think Corona as a female, but Rona changed my life. <laughs> but no, it for real. Um, Rona helped me calm down, and I needed I needed it to realize that I was working myself to the bone. Because when I was in school, working full time, trying to find a job, doing everything to keep up with all sorts of like social media and news press for said job, and. I wasn't really thoroughly taking care of myself and I knew it, but I always kept saying, I'll push it back. I'll push it back. I'll push it back. Cause I'm busy. I can't do it now. And when Rona was like, you know, we're a global pandemic. We're all in quarantine. It really forced me to be like, Hey, let me go to the doctor to check and see if I'm okay. I'm okay. Thank the Lord. But it also made me look at my health more vividly. Like, Hey, I don't eat as much veggies as I should, or I don't have appetite certain days. I'm like, why is that? Oh, it's because I had a weird eating schedule. It's because I had a weird eating schedule while I was working. I would eat, I would say, get up at 3.30 to go to work. I would be to work by 5.30, six on the dot, and I would have a bowl of cereal as I worked. Or let's also put into perspective the time, a.m. or p.m. Oh yeah, that too. I would eat lunch around, I would try to eat lunch around 11.30, but you know, it was a cafe, so I would always be on the move. And then I would nitpick. So I wouldn't really sit down and eat. I would just nitpick coffee, water, nitpick coffee, water. And that's not healthy. It's not good. So I think this gave me the opportunity to sit down and be like, Sasha, take care of yourself. But also gave me the opportunity to talk to my family and to my friends. I remember at the start of quarantine, me and Landra would be on the phone for hours on end. We'd stay up super late talking. And it was good. I would have virtual uh, wine hours with my high school friends. You know, one of them, he lives in Atlanta, so we don't see each other as much. Uh, You know, that was nice. I would hang out with my mom. We would watch like two movies a day and just relax like now it's a it, we, we let up a little bit because like i'm working now and i have other tasks leandra's doing her thing being awesome being a makeup artist you know over here doing all that lifestyle excuse me well that's on hold until november right now is a designer excuse me oh my god excuse me she's a designer <laughs> guys but no and it put in to perspective, like sometimes you just need a chance to slow down. Sometimes you just need a chance to not only be with yourself. Cause I used to just 
be by myself a lot. I don't think you realize this, but I would go on journeys by myself. And now I'm just like, you know, I want to go on journeys, but I kind of want to go with a friend. I want to go bike riding. I ask you to come bike riding with me. We still got to do that. I honestly, I, f- I feel like before quarantine though, even you would like be like, I'm going to this book event. When I come, I'm going to this book event. <laughs> and I'll go to like all of your book events that like I really had no plan on going into, but I went anyway. <laughs> So I feel like you were kind of like that before quarantine. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel it It gave me a chance to talk more about, rather than just like, you know, books and TVs and reality shows and Tiger King, I would talk to you more about my feelings and my emotions. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. All right, guys. This is all we have today on a Black and Bougie, Black and Bougie the podcast. I'm Leandra. I'm Sasha. Deuces. Have a good one.